0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S Y L V A N 29.com. Out of Structure. Let's do it. We have time to run Wolf. If it's first and ten, Wolf. Any distance, down in distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs
1: Kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs Kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions.
0: Chiefs Kingdom, welcome in to the latest edition of the AP Out of Structure Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Not a Victory Monday today, uh, as we join you, me, Ron Cop Jr., lead analyst at arrowheadpride.com with Arrowhead Pride's senior writer, Matt Stagner. I'm, I'm, we're switching it up today because, you know, it's, it's, it, we're, we lost, you know, we got to switch something up here, Stags. But hey, man, I, I just want to make
1: sure you're associated with the losses. So I'll let you lead, a, lead yeah. off.
0: <laughs> That's, that was a smart move by you. Smart, you know, the people hear my voice, they know L, so they know that very well. But, uh, Chiefs lose to the Bengals, a third straight time. Frustrating as heck here, um, but we're here to break it down. Uh, we got our typical show today. You know, we'll talk about the game, some stats of the week, and then we'll get some questions in the second half. If you guys got some good questions on Twitter. Uh, make sure you're always uh, sending those to us via Twitter after the games. We love answering your guys' questions. But Stags, I'll bring you in here. How you feeling after, a, a you know, a not a not not a good Sunday, not a fun Sunday?
1: Yeah, it's frustrating because you look back – how many teams have had another team's number in the way that the Bengals have had the chiefs, this is their, yes, this is their third straight loss all within the straight, the same calendar year, all by a field goal. In fact, the AFC championship game was the exact same score as this one, 27, 24. And it's just, it is just a really odd series of events, but they all really feel like the same game and just kind of different, you know, different shades of the same issues. Uh, this is just a tough matchup for the Chiefs for whatever reason they've got their number.
0: They do. There's no denying it. You know, one thing I came into this game, I, I predicted a, a comfortable Chiefs win, thinking, you know, hey, this team doesn't get the revenge factor a lot, right? This team does not get the uh, the the motivation, the chip on the shoulder of losing to a team multiple times and not getting them, and you know, we've only seen it with the Tom Brady Patriots, and and mm-hmm. that even, you know, it. Feels kind of similar all of a sudden, right? Where there's similar losses. I think you could say the same about that era when they, you know, lost to the Patriots a couple of times. So
1: it does. But, and just think about overall in this season. I think we talked about this on a recent pod. Would you rather see this Chiefs team coast through the rest of the regular season without a major challenge, and end up fifteen and two, and and the number one overall seed, uh, without having really been tested or pushed, or have that chip on their shoulder, or would you rather see them? Go through some, you know, some hard times, and right. if you look back at the recent years, what, what was one of the hardest regular seasons they've had in, in recent memory was the 2019 season when they won the Super Bowl. So, in in some ways, uh, a loss kind of refocuses you. It pushes you. It says, "Hey, we're not. We haven't arrived yet. There's still uh, there's still a, a boogeyman out there, a, a villain that we haven't yet conquered." And maybe it gives them something to rally around as the as the season goes on.
0: It's funny you mentioned 2019. I was thinking about that before we started. 2019, that last L of the regular season was was middle of the year on the road against an AFC playoff team, the Tennessee Titans. Everyone kind of said, you know, Tennessee Tennessee might have the Chiefs' number. They know how to beat the Chiefs because and the Titans do. You know, they 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 seem to you know have have good success against us, but. It is pretty eerily similar stags, but, you know, they do have to finish out the regular season, you know, and, and, and they do have Denver this week. We'll get into all of that. But sorry, I was I was also thinking about this game was a little bit of a mirror image. I said before it was it feels like the
1: same football game. It's just maybe some of the roles are reversed this week. The Bengals got out to a bigger lead and the Chiefs came back. Uh, there was a point there where it very easily could have been 21 to three, which is the the score that the Chiefs. Uh, had up on the Bengals last year, uh, and the Bengals came back. It, it was about to be twenty-one to three, if not for a big stop uh, by the Chiefs. And then uh, the Chiefs kind of turned around and, and and got back in this one and got a lead and had that lead, you know, into the fourth quarter. And they had an opportunity to put this one out of reach. And so, really, the theme of the day for this one and and for basically every chief's loss or, or, or every chief's game, right. It it comes down to a handful of plays. And I know the team talks about this in these terms, but I think there was a handful of opportunities that were missed here that, you know, the Bengals, when they had the opportunity, they took advantage of it. Most of the time, they did have one dropped uh, easy touchdown that ended up as a field goal. But for the most part um, they took advantage of the opportunities they had. Uh, The chiefs did not, they had, I've got a whole list of them here of opportunities that were missed, but uh, that was the theme for me is that, you know, one or two plays go differently and the Chiefs win this game. And it's it's not the same conversation today.
0: Right. And I do think both sides of the ball, you know, have those missed opportunity examples. And, and, you know, I do think, you know, we can go through them because I I do think you're right. I think this game, we talk about football being a game of inches. And at one point it looked like the Chiefs could have comfortably won this game then there was one missed opportunity, probably the the you know, the most egregious one. Nothing to, you know, hang our hat on, but the you know, that we have to, you know, talk about over and over. But the Travis Kelsey fumble in the fourth quarter, Chiefs up 24-20, driving, right? You know, he gets the ball, you know, the ball he caught and he's gaining yards. He was at the midfield, wasn't he? You know, yeah, he was about at the logo. So that was the most the biggest one that stood out to me. But what uh, what other missed opportunities are you kind of thinking about?
1: Yeah that, that that was number 1 that was a uh, yeah it was a 20 yard reception that that drive was off to a good start they were going to be in business you know first down at the uh, basically at the 50 um, you know the, the 46 yard line whatever but that was number 1 uh, there was also uh Juan Thornhill interception that was overturned by a questionable pass interference call on Trent McDuffie yeah and i think McDuffie battled Chase I wouldn't say to a draw, but really did did a, a really nice job against Chase. I think we got a stat on that that we'll talk about in a minute. But that overturned interception. I mean, he, again, you could argue that maybe he doesn't get that interception if he doesn't slow up the receiver. But either way, you have a you have a turnover negated by penalty. Uh, there was another play I noticed where Chris Jones um, was just a. a a hair away from batting down a pass that turned into a big play. Um, there was the the fumble. There was the end of the shenanigans again at the end of the first half, uh, <laughs> and then there was a couple opportunities in uh, throughout this game where the Chiefs had you know short yardage opportunities and chose to pass um, and and maybe should have run the ball. So maybe uh, uh, take us through a couple of those, Ron.
0: Well, this is where I want to, you know, bring in our first question, because or not our first question of the of from a mailbag, but just my question. I'm coming out of this and I actually tweeted it out to the people. So you may have voted on the poll if you're listening to this. But if we did have to choose one side or the other to blame for the game, and I'm talking for the singular loss, you know, on the day, you know, which off which side contributed more to the final result being a loss? I, I think it's it's hard to pick between the two. And I'll start on offense because because you you mentioned. I think one part of the offense, you know, not getting the job done today was they didn't learn their lessons from last year's losses to Cincinnati. They did run the ball more. They did run the ball today, but they still didn't do it situationally. And you just mentioned that I'll one of the ones that, you know, stood out to me. You know, the defense in the first half, obviously, is on the field a lot. You know, they can't get off the field. You need every point you can get. Well, the Chiefs first drive, they settle for a field goal, right? Fourteen yard carry, seven yard carry. They end up in second and three at the Cincinnati eight yard line. Second and three, and they get two incompletions from there, and they settle for a field goal. Later in the game, fourth quarter, where they're driving. It's on the last drive of the game, the last offensive drive of the game. They're running the ball pretty well. Not, you know, not just like completely, but they're they're running the ball. They get a first down off a Pacheco run. They set up in first and ten near, you know, past Cincinnati midfield three straight incompletions, including, or not three straight incompletions, three straight dropbacks, you know, and, and they don't get the, the first down with the sack on the third down, obviously. I just think that's kind of a general theme here is that, you know, the this, this Cincinnati defense knows how to cover up Mahomes' pass lanes, knows how to make him hesitate. And so I do think they could have run the ball more still in situations, right? Not just overall, not just, you know, blindly, but just situationally. I think they could have trusted it more. And that's where I kind of start with the offense, but Man, you know that last third down play. I will say, you know, I, as much as r- passing the ball, maybe I, you know, they could have ran the ball maybe there on third and three. Which, you know, I, I get passing. Orlando Brown Jr. needs to make that block against a three-man rush. He can't get beat inside like that and disrupt the play. And that's really what what screwed them on that. You know, I think Mahomes could have went to McKinnon in the flat. But all that to say, I just think in general the offense could have learned its lessons a little more from last year. Mahomes could have checked it down a little more instead of, you know, especially on that third down play, the offensive line could have passed protected more understanding these three man rushes. They just need to not let any penetration through at first. And that obviously wasn't the case. So uh, the offense didn't learn its lessons. There's a lot to unpack there,
1: but, you know, if you look at those opportunities, I think I would agree that on, you know, third and three, and there was another second and three, uh, you know, getting towards the red zone, if the running game's working, like it, it actually pretty much was, You had McKinnon yes. and Pacheco both over fifty yards. Uh, Pacheco added 4.7, yeah. McKinnon six point four. Yes. Uh, those guys were were moving the ball. Uh, both of them also had you know some limited success in the screen game. And then you you just drop back you know and, and pass on on short yardage, and to me, you run the ball on both of those opportunities there. In the second half, especially, you're running clock. So you've got, you've got third down and three at the 33. There's three minutes left, or approaching three minutes left at this point. You've been driving the field. You've got a six-minute drive already, and you know that your defense has struggled yeah. to, to get off of the field. So you're sitting there at this opportunity. You've got three minutes left, and third and three – you treat that like four down territory. As far as I'm concerned, you run the ball, which runs clock. If you make it great, first down keeps the drive alive. You don't make it. Now you're looking at fourth and one, which is a, a, you know, a very manageable fourth down and you, you just go for it. Worst case scenario. You know, if you look at the, all the outcomes on that last drive, all the outcomes that could happen on third and three, if you draw back to pass, you could get sacked you can have an incompletion, you throw an interception, right? There's a lot of things that can happen there. You run the ball on third and three, you get stuffed. It's fourth and three, or, you know, uh, maybe a, a loss, um, but it's still short yardage, still fourth and short. You make the first down, you're running clock, you're moving the moving the chains again. If you don't, it's, a, it's fourth and short and you can continue going. Uh, the drawback there didn't make a lot of sense to me in, in retrospect, Sure, it's easy probably for us to to Monday morning quarterback this thing uh, quite quite literally, but um, I I think you're right. They had enough carries in the running game. They had enough success, but situationally, let's be smarter about it and let's right. Uh, you know, let's pay attention to the clock and pay attention to how your defense is playing, and and use your running backs to get three yards. I mean, if, right. if you can't trust your running backs to get three yards, then what are you doing?
0: Right. No, I think that last – the last drive is a great example because, you know, you just went through it. But the field goal kick, you know, and that's where, you know, we can talk about this too is, is even attempting that 55-yard field goal. You know, I, you're, you're setting yourself up to kind of have a lose-lose situation. I don't really – you know, you're, you're kicking a 55-yard field goal, and if he makes it, it's tied up and the Bengals have the ball back with, you know, five minutes, four minutes to go. Um and your defense has just given up, you know, a all your although you know, I guess your defense yeah, they just did give up a touchdown drive. So they did. Just, yeah. And, exactly.
1: And yeah, that, that field goal was kicked at 324 left in the game. So you oh. gotta know at that point, if the Bengals get the ball, you're not getting it back again. Right? Exactly. That, exactly. If you give it to them, they're they're probably gonna drive the field, or if you get it back, you're gonna be down again, right? So yeah. You kick the field goal and make it, you're tied. Kick the field goal and miss it, you've just given them an even better field position, uh, and they have the ball now to run the clock out. Uh, yeah. To me, you know, you don't kick there. It just it I, just doesn't make any sense. There's the upside's not there.
0: I I agree, and and it's just on the offense for putting themselves in that position, you know, and that can fall on Andy Reid a little bit for the play calling, right? I think you know that's that's part of it. Uh, you know, we talked about the running, but um, yeah, I. That's where I the offense kind of you know makes me think, hey, they should have won this game. The offense had the chance to. We already talked about the fumble, but the defense does you know obviously deserve blame as well. Yeah. So that's where it makes this a tough conversation because we look at the defense and a lot of the things that we were mad about last year, that we thought we got better at last year. You know, the tackling, maybe the effort, right? Um, I mean, that was the biggest thing to me, Stags. I think it was to you too, just the the open field tackling. It was still bad. And that was really one of the deciding factors and not getting off the field and allowing some of these touchdowns was not tackling, you know, and and in, in the open field. I think that was the main thing to me. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it really was. You we can argue about the blame for the coaches, but, you know, the right. coach can't get out there and make a tackle for a guy. People were in the right positions. Uh, they had an opportunity to make stops. But time and again, it was either a missed tackle. I think you've got a stat on that. How many tackles did they miss for the game?
0: <laughs> well, then the game it was 14 total missed tackles, which you know, I wanted to go back and see how how much that compares to. But I know at one point doing research, that's a lot. Double digits is a lot of missed tackles. So 14 is, is quite a bit. But the, the real stat that I thought was important was that PFF credited two plus missed tackles to pretty much every starting player that plays in the middle of the field for the Chiefs. Legarius Sneed, who actually had three missed tackles, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Justin Reed, Juan Thornhill, and even Darius Harris had two missed tackles. That's that's a lot of players with multiple missed tackles and that's and the most important part of your defense against the run and 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 you know, I, I mean, against the run and and just stopping running backs from getting, you know, yards after the catch. I mean, that was honestly one of the biggest things was how much Samaj Piran mm-hmm. was able to gain after the catch, but yeah, the missed tackles were bad stack. They were, it was bad. Yeah.
1: And even when they made the tackle, um, this yeah. is, you know, this is a criticism here, but even when they made the tackle, there was a lot of ankle tackles. There was a lot of, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of Bengals receivers and, and backs falling forward or dragging guys for extra yardage. I, I don't know what you, you would, what do you blame for that? Is that it's obviously not a great technique. But is mm-hmm. some of that just like they wanted it more? Like is that is that where people say that this is? If you watch this game, you think the Bengals just wanted the win more. That's the one point where maybe I would say I could see that in that their receivers and backs were 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 dragging Chiefs forward <laughs> and and getting those first downs when uh, with with guys draped around them when they didn't uh, uh, they wouldn't otherwise have done so.
0: So that's where it's just hard for me to think effort necessarily. You know, it it looks like effort. Tackling is an effort thing, right? And so it's hard, but it's just hard for me, like with the motivation this team should have had to play this team. So that's where, you know, it it really just may come down to his team, you know, the individual players that make up this defense. Are they any, you know, harder or tougher than we had last year? I mean, like, did we you know, because I think last year a lot of people described the the defense as soft, and I think Chiefs fans would even agree with that at times, Um, you know, with stuff like this, the missed tackles and, you know, not finishing games, and this year we thought we got better, but, I mean, did we? I mean, is this, was this just exposing, you know, things that we haven't seen yet this season or that maybe were kind of glossed over this season? Because I think the defense has played well this year, but you know, this kind of game against, you know, an elite offense, which, hey, guess what? You're going to see elite offenses on a playoff run on the way to a Super Bowl. It, they didn't bring their, you know, their A game and it's hard to point to effort. So it makes me just think we got some we may got some players that maybe just need to, you know, harden up a little bit, toughen up a little bit. I don't know. It's it's it yeah. Like... So I'm
1: going to push back a little bit on that because I've seen a lot of this on Twitter is that, uh, you know, they don't have the right guys. Beast didn't do his job that, uh, you know, that they're they're just too limited that, you know, none of these guys are good. Well, this is, we weren't saying that last week uh, when they held the Rams to 10 points, uh, sacked the quarterback three times the week before against the chargers, yeah. you get five quarterback sacks, uh, you know, and, and hold the chargers uh, when they needed to hold them. I mean, this is a team defense that is demonstrably better this year than they, than they have been in, in, in recent years. They've got better corners. They've already exceeded last year's pass total uh, or sack total. Sorry. They're up there in the league lead for pressures and sacks. Um, They've been a better team on defense than what we've seen in recent years. And you've got a lot of promising young players on that defense. Yeah. On this day, they didn't get it done. And they didn't get it done. Is it because of a matchup? Is it because of. You know, scheme is it because of, you know, the the freaks that the the Bengals have on their skill positions, whatever it is, you know, when when the time came, you got guys missing tackles that don't usually miss tackles. Nick Bolton doesn't miss tackles, right? Mm-hmm. You can blame Bolton for a lot of things, but you can't say the guy misses tackles. He does not. Right. He did this week. Yeah. Uh, so I think some of it was just uncharacteristic, you know. just a a bad day for for some of those guys especially in the middle so i don't think we can make sweeping judgments about the talent level on this defense all right so you're talking about a game where it wasn't a blowout offensive performance by the Bengals. you held joe burrow under 300 yards Uh, you held jamar chase under 100 yards without a touchdown no other receiver had over 100 yards this was a defensive performance that was, it was soft, but it wasn't catastrophic. And, and, and so I, I'm really hesitant to say that they were exposed or that they're lacking talent. I think they just got outplayed on a few plays in this one game that allowed the Bengals to win.
0: Well, you know, I, I do think we look at the corners and we see, okay, they got better. Uh, they definitely got better. Higgins and Chase had to work for all their production even though Higgins got the touchdown, had a had a pretty productive day on, on Joshua Williams. Williams made it very hard, made every catch hard. Uh, so did McDuffie. Um, and we'll get those stats in a second. But I say that to, to say that the corners were definitely better. But everything else about the defense right now, um, this game does, I, I, I disagree with you. I do think it exposes a little bit. I think the safeties, that was a position that I kind of, all year I was kind of like, you know, they're, They haven't been standouts. They haven't been, you know, forcing turnovers like we were used to with Tyron. But it's not like they've been bad. But, you know, maybe it's just because I was paying a little more attention to Justin Reed after he he decided to talk this week. But, man, you know, he there were some missed tackles, obviously, we already talked about. But just in general, that stuff over the middle is on them a lot of the times. You know, it's it's on the linebackers and pass coverage. Willie Gay is supposed to be, you know, one of the better pass coverage linebackers, hopefully, in the league. We all kind of think he is. And he can barely he he's not even you know fully on the field. They're rotating Darius Harrison for him for whatever reason. And maybe that's on run plays. I'm not sure. It's just would it is weird to me to think that Willie's not on the field as much as he can be. But all that to say, I do think teams opposing offense, and you actually made this point before the show. We were talking about it, like opposing offenses may have just been so focused on wanting to attack what appears to be the, the weakness of the Chiefs defenses in the cornerbacks with rookies and young players and inexperience. But maybe this game shows that the corners are actually the ones doing their job. And maybe the safeties are the ones that can be exposed more in the run game, in the over the middle passing, you know, to tight ends, to running backs in the, you know, over the middle. I do think it was a really bad performance from linebackers to safeties. And and yeah, it may just be one game. They're going to play better. I, I do think it's a bad game. I'm not saying they're always this bad, but I, I they're going to play elite offenses. And I think. You know, a, a team like the Bills can see this and say, oh, shoot, maybe we should focus more on attacking, you know, over the middle rather than trying, you know, because they were attacking the corners a lot in their game, too. So I do think there was some there was some a little exposing for sure. I, I, I do. think. Yeah,
1: there, there's definitely some softness in the middle that needs to be addressed. And and that starts up front. Uh, I think yeah. we noticed yeah. uh, some real softness on the defensive line. And this may explain why the Chiefs keep adding giant bodied defensive linemen to this <laughs> to this squad between the practice squad, uh, you know, the recent signings, uh, you saw a lot more in Taylor Solworth this week, by the way. But mm-hmm. also, you know, you've got Danny Shelton on the practice squad. You now you, you sign Brandon Williams, and all of a sudden there's a you know, there's a, a bunch of gigantic nose tackle types on this squad. Now, why would they feel the need to do that when you have Derek Noddy? Uh, when you have uh, Colin Saunders, even you know, I think it, it points to some softness, especially against the run. Especially when you when you have somebody that gets double teamed, and and you need them to to be able to stand up against that double team that used to be Naughty's strength. I don't yeah. think he's been as good at it this year, and it's never been the strength of Saunders. It's never been the strength of of uh, other defensive linemen on this team. Chris yeah. Jones can split a double team you know, now and then. Uh, But he can also get pushed out of the way on on run plays. And you saw that a few times this week. So you really need a super stout guy next to him. And I think maybe this points to the fact that the Chiefs all season have been concerned that maybe they don't have that guy. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I think expect Brandon Williams as soon as possible, people. I don't know how good a shape he's in, but that signing, you know, that might be the most impactful of those three little practice squad signings we saw last week, the little flurry of signings, because it's going to be Mike Pinnell. It's going to be a Mike Pinnell type of signing. He comes in and and helps the run defense. You know, we're, we were having similar conversations at this time in the 2019 season about the run defense. And there is a pretty, you know, because I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I do think Nick Bolton, as much as he struggled, and maybe Willie did too against the run, it is a very hard job for a linebacker to play do his responsibility when he has defensive tackles constantly blown into his lap and, and, you know, in, at the second level of the defense, I mean, you can't, there's, you have to overcome a lot in those situations. So.
1: And it's it's not even when they get blown into your lap. Yeah. That's short yardage. That's, that's true. But on your typical run play, what we noticed this week was the Bengals would run duo. They would run, you know, kind of their, their power scheme up front. And Nick Bolton was stuck covering two gaps. And you, when Nick Bolton's at his best, he knows exactly what gap he's going in and he's firing downhill at that gap. What you saw this week were situations where the Bengals would double team the, the defensive tackles up front and completely overwhelm them. And the running back had his choice uh, of, of the A gap, the B gap, or B and C, or whatever two, two gaps it was. And Nick Bolton's have to, having to try to make this decision. It, right. it feels like a goalie in the, the world cup, right? You, you have to guess like I'm, I'm going to, as a goalie, you just dive one direction or the other and, and hope that he kicks it that way. It looked like Nick Bolton was, it was either having to guess and often the, the, the uh, running back would just wait for him to guess and he would go to the other direction uh, or he would hesitate. And then when you see Bolton struggle, I think is when he hesitates the most. And so, that hesitation to me a lot of times comes from what's going on in front of him. And that's due to how the defensive linemen are playing. So I'm not trying to make excuses for anybody, but it really is a, a cascade effect from the defensive line on back.
0: No, it's a good point. And, and we've talked about the middle so much. Um, the defensive line in general just didn't play necessarily well. Uh, you know, I, they didn't get any pressure. There was only one quarterback hit and it was the sack that George Karloff just got, you know, Spags tried to step, you know, um, mix it up. I should say mix up a lot of his stuff. You know, he, he went from just typical four man rushes. He did his blitzing, you know, dropping guy, you know, dropping D lineman back into coverage, doing a simulated pressures, doing the three man rushes and nothing worked. Nothing got Burrow, uh, you know, confused or anything. I mean, even on the three man rushes, obviously you don't get pressure as much maybe there, although the Bengals do apparently. Um, but Burrow still, you know, made positive plays out of those. So the D line definitely didn't do its job either. And that's hard to, you know, I just said Spags tried to mix it up and couldn't get pressure. That sounds, that seems like talent too, but I don't know. What did you think about the defensive lineman's performance? So I think what we just talked about the struggles of the interior defensive line,
1: especially when it comes to the the run game. I think the pass rush was maybe not as bad as we're all saying it was. Okay. I think this was a game where Joe Burrow was quick and decisive. And when you have a quarterback getting the ball out in an instant you're just not going to get home a lot of times. That's when you hopefully see guys getting up and batting passes down. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you you see a couple of opportunities where they could have brought Joe Burrow down and they weren't able to, where he slithered away, you know, and and just has kind of a way about him that makes him tough to bring down. Chris Jones talks about missed opportunities in the AFC championship game last year, where he had his hands on him, couldn't bring him down for a sack that happened again this week. So I think, they were in, they were close, but you're not going to get home all the time on a quick passing offense that has that this seems to have somebody open uh, pretty pretty instantly. But he also has receivers that don't have to be open. So yeah, exactly, I, I feel like Burrow, if he had held the ball a beat longer, then then you might have seen different results. He didn't have to hold the ball a beat longer because either he had a back open in the flat. Whenever they tried to blitz, he would just. Immediately throw that check down um, or that hot route, or he's throwing to Chase and Higgins, who don't have to be open. It doesn't really make right. a difference if somebody's guarding them or not. So, you know, some of that is just going to be matchup and situational. Again, I hate throwing, you know, these, these big overarching statements about a pass rush uh, saying that this team didn't fix their pass rush from last year when. Like I said before, they're already ahead of uh, the pace. They've got more sacks this year than they had last year all the, the entire year. Uh, they're coming off a couple games where they were pretty good. It's just this matchup for whatever reason uh, they're not able to get home. And so, so yeah, I, I think the pass rush was maybe a little bit underrated this week, but the the run defense uh, up front uh, really was a problem in the middle.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the question, though, is, yeah, I I think everyone can agree they got better rushing the passer. I don't think that's, if you deny that, then I don't think you're making, you're thinking correctly.
1: Well, I I think it's, there's a lot of overreaction today. Oh, I know,
0: but, but I guess the point was, did they get better enough? Did they get good enough? And, (laughs) you know, it it, needed to be more better. Yeah. Right. But no, I, I, I mentioned Tom Brady Patriots at the top. I mean, this was just a really Brady like performance from Burrow. I mean, just exactly for what you're saying, you know, and you made the Brady point it's, he's getting rid of it quickly. You know, he's, he's managing the pocket correctly. You know, when he does have to move, when there is maybe a little bit of time he has to make, he's not just, you know, bailing out or, or going into situations where the pass rush gets a better angle on him. He's stepping up, he's, he's throwing, you know, from the right spots and yeah, I, I, I think Burrow just played really well and negated a lot of the pass rush. And you mentioned, you know, T. Higgins, that last play, the one that won the game, Josh Williams has great coverage on the on that deep, on that deeper post. And actually, Karloftis is coming in to to maybe get a hit on, or is it Dana? Dana was coming in to get a hit. And I know that play looks weird. I think he's just changing direction really slowly. I'm not sure. It does look weird that he kind of <laughs> looks like he slows up. But um, so, that's what Mitch Schwartz thinks, at least. And I'll trust him. Yeah, yeah go ahead. I'm going to contradict
1: myself as I always do, but the I think the pass rush is better, uh, and I think you're you're on the right track in saying are they better enough? And, and I'm going to go back to this idea of do they have the right players in house? That play you and I talked about, Mike Dana almost getting home, but what he needed to do was be able to change directions quickly to close out that play. Right. right. Well, what's a that seems to be a theme with this defensive front. George Karloftis, not a change of direction guy, uh, not a speed rusher. Uh, Frank Clark, to some extent, is. To some extent, isn't. Mike Dana, definitely not. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. So you have got you do have a bunch of edge rushers that that's not their strength. And so you would like to have seen, and that's why I'm going to make this point every single week, but that's why I wasn't excited about the George Karloftis draft pick, is because I thought they needed yeah. a dynamic speed rusher a change of direction, bend the edge, explosive type player. And it was very clear that Karloftis was not that guy. We tried to say that he was after training camp when he got you know, like he got a couple of sacks and everybody was like, hey, maybe he's more than what we thought. He's been exactly what we thought he was going to be all year. He's been fine. It's been solid. But they, they don't have that dynamic edge threat, and and that may come back to haunt them if they're not able to put it together with a bunch of other pe- more limited pieces.
0: I agree. And, you know, I'll, to go into break, the one last point I'll make is, is this is a sneaky way they're missing Tershawn Wharton. Cause he would be in that Dana spot. He would be rushing from the interior next to Jones and that man could turn a corner. And that's the funny part is that their defensive tackles all can turn corners. I think Saunders <laughs> even could too, but none of their edges can. So mm-hmm. that is that is interesting, but let's well, go to when the Bryce, pass rush works,
1: they're, they're multiple, right? They've got, uh, inside outside threats they've got the blitz coming they can do a lot of different things uh, when it doesn't work is when you ask somebody to win a one-on-one and, and that just for for whatever reason uh, you know they don't have the horses for that and and they actually have had some success this year on stunts right but stunts may take a little bit longer to develop and then you got a quarterback throwing the ball really quick you know you, all of a sudden your, your stunts aren't, aren't getting home so a lot of factors there I, I do feel like it was a lot of it was matchup related. And so that's our theme for the day is that this team had opportunities um, to win this game, both offense and defense, and a handful of plays they didn't get the job done. Uh, and it leads to us looking at this as a, uh, a team that has a Chiefs member.
0: Well, they do. There's no denying that, but we'll get into the rest of, of the recap here. Stats of the week on the other side. Questions from Twitter on the other side. But I'll leave you with this, Stags. We, we, we're talking potential playoff matchups because the Chiefs are you know, on track to win the AFC West and be in that playoff bracket. Who would you rather see in the playoffs right now, though? The Bengals or the Bills? Tough question, I think. We will check that out on the other side. Back here on the Outer Structure Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you're giving five-star reviews on the podcast channel checking out the rest of the shows, but we're talking Chiefs-Bengals still here. We're still sulking in the loss, and, and, and one question I have for Staggs on the, on the front end of the break, who would you rather see in the playoffs as of right now, the Bengals or the Bills? Really tough question, Staggs. Who would you rather see?
1: It's interesting because both feel like rivalries now. Both feel like teams that you know are talented enough and have their quarterbacks in place and have some really bad matchups from a receiver standpoint. So in a lot of ways, it's very similar. Uh, you can look at the recent history and say, well, the Chiefs have had more success against Buffalo than they've had against the Bengals, but not by that much. Uh, they, they've had a couple of bad losses to the Bills in recent years as, as well the Josh Allen era. So I think I would go with the Bengals, but, but not by much. I think the, uh, you know, I think Josh Allen has a wider variance, right? There's more, more ups and downs with, with Josh Allen and the Bills, um, but, you know, that shootout can go either way. I feel like this is a team that eventually the Chiefs are going to get a win against. They're going to figure this out. They've been within three points again, all, all three of these losses. Um, I think that there's a little bit the, – the Bengals don't have that dynamic pass rusher. I mean, I don't want to see Von Miller in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, maybe just – on the heels of the defense and and the dynamic ability of the Bills' offense, uh, maybe a slight edge to the Bengals. I don't know. What do you think?
0: You know, I, you bring up the Josh Allen point. It does make me think it, you know, there is something to that variance, right? I think the Chiefs' defense likes playing those, you know, more kind of high variance quarterbacks because they're a high variance defense. They want to make plays, they want to just get a turnover here or there, get a sack mm-hmm. when it matters. You know, Burrow, especially yesterday, doesn't give you a lot of those opportunities to make those, you know, those game-changing turnovers or plays, especially in his progression this year. Yeah, I, I was thinking Bengals at first, but man, you know, maybe I'm going to stay away from that, that maybe 0 for 4. I'm going I'm to I'm say Bills. I'm going I'm to be different here. I'm going I'm to say Bills. The Chiefs' offense has never really had too much trouble against the Bills' defense. It's really the other way around, right? But the Chiefs' offense has plenty of trouble against the Bengals' defense for whatever reason. So, yeah. There you oh, go. That's fair. All right, let's get into some stats of the week. We'll, we'll just have a few here. Um, Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. Were, were not the didn't have the greatest game Sunday, and their total stats now are, are pretty alarming. Um, per PFF, they are number one and number two in the NFL and pressures allowed of all offensive tackles in the NFL. You know that you can say, hey, it's a lot of you know. It just means Mahomes drop back some, drops back the most. Well, he he doesn't. There's there's quarterbacks that have dropped back more than him this year. And so yeah, I, when you hear that stags that that basically we have the the offensive tackles giving up the most pressure on the edges I mean and that was a big part of this game right I think yeah. I, I mentioned it earlier that third down play, but what do you what do you think about how are you feeling about these tackles as we go along?
1: yeah I mean it could certainly be better I've, I put a lot of the blame on the right side most of this season. I think Orlando Brown has been certainly been up and down mm-hmm. um, but you know this week. That, that one big play just sticks out in your mind, right? You've got the, the one play where he's instantly beat against a three-man rush. It feels almost unforgivable the fact that these guys can't win against a three-man rush. You've got options there, right? Like, you could double-team the all three of those guys if you really want to if you're using a back or a tight end. Like, there's, you should not be getting beat, at least not quickly, yeah. gets a three man rush. Yeah. That's super frustrating because it's if you look at that matchup and you say, "Alright, they're only rushing three, they're dropping eight. They expect you to have time but not find anybody open." Right. The Chiefs had people open, but they didn't have time to get it to them in, in that situation, which is which is yeah. pretty maddening. I thought it was interesting that Lucas Niang did get in the game this week as the extra tackle. Uh the tackle eligible, although You've seen him move around. I'm not sure that you would throw the ball his way, uh, (laughs) even if he's an eligible receiver. But I wonder if they are starting to ease him back in. Uh, You saw some success with Prince Tega Winogo in recent weeks. So they may have some options there. I'm just not sure if they're going to actually make a move. Uh, But those tackles certainly haven't been what we hoped that they would be this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, this – this matchup particularly um, is a pretty good, I guess, not a good point for Orlando to have, but you know, a point for the Chiefs to say, look, you know, if you're the number one offensive tackle, if you want to get paid like the best offensive tackle in the league, you have to be able to handle three-man rushes. I mean, that's, that's the least you need to be able to do. I do think there is some credence to left guard Joe Tooney not playing on that particular snap. Maybe he expected some help. Allegretti maybe didn't give him the help that he expected. You know, th- uh, That's
1: actually a great point. Sorry to cut you off, but like yeah. – he lost instantly to the inside on yeah. that snap. McKinnon was there to chip on the outside, but there was nobody to chip because he had already, the, the, the uh, end had already come around to the inside. So McKinnon, that's why he releases so quick and he doesn't, he doesn't get a hand on him because he was already passing on the inside. And then, yeah, there was a, Allegretti was double teaming on the, on the, with the center. So there was a, that, that really does make a difference. I think who you're playing next to, I think we saw it when Allegretti filled in for Trey Smith that, that uh, the right tackle struggled more that yeah. game. Why they struggled more when he didn't have Trey Smith next yeah. to him? So that that continuity. That's why continuity matters on the offensive line. So so yeah, maybe that was part of it. But
0: yeah. but <laughs> no, I, I think I think either way though he he you can't overset that much and you know he, he just looked completely lost once the guy made an inside move I mean he had no chance and I that's that is what makes you kind of think he was expecting help but it, it does look bad either way Mahomes obviously didn't expect it but I'll, I'll just real quick a few more numbers on Brown and Wiley uh, Wiley has allowed the third most sacks in the league while Brown has only allowed three sacks this year apparently um, but Brown has allowed the fourth most quarterback hits in the league but both most of the guys, most of both of their pressures are hurries. So they're, uh, you know, they don't give up. It's mostly just the hurries making Mahomes move around. But we'll move on. And I, that, I think that's
1: players. reasonable. Though, if you watch how they play, Brown, yeah, normally does a decent job of just steering his guy around. When they have speed rushers, he's pushing them deep, right? And yeah. eventually, those guys can end up uh, getting a, a little bit of a hurry or a late hit on on Mahomes, but. He because he's not like the get your hands on, you know, he's he's not a lockdown guy there. So he, he's gonna he's gonna guide him around the outside. So that's gonna happen some. Um, you know, I think Wiley when he's lost, it's been uglier uh this yes, year. Exactly. When, when he gets beaten, he he can have a guy physically dominate him more so than, than Brown does.
0: Well, moving on here, some some good stats from this game. trey McDuffie was a highlight. Uh he According to PFF, I know I saw one tweet um, that said uh, another thing about this, but I, I PFF has this as the case, that Trent McDuffie allowed two catches on three targets while covering Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. 17 yards total, seven yards after the catch total. And so that's a pretty good day for him, which gets his season stats. He's now got 200 coverage snaps, so it's a pretty good sample size now. Yeah. 22 targets, 12 catches, which is only a 55% completion rate. Pretty damn good for a cornerback uh only 3.7 yards after catch per reception so he's he's really not allowing much once the guy catches the ball right he, he if the ball's caught he's tackling him immediately two pa- passes batted compared to the one touchdown he allowed which you know that one touchdown was weird again last week against the rams that's the only touchdown he's allowed this year um well i guess maybe it was the jacksonville one maybe it's the jacksonville one um although it wasn't a touchdown anyway sorry i'm talking over myself and an 82.6 passer rating is, is what quarterbacks get when they target McDuffie this season. I mean, that is, he is getting all, you know, he's, he's living up to every single expectation yep. anyone could have had for him at the moment, Stags. How are you feeling about the Chiefs maybe having a true cornerback one?
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that he is that. And I think that the disparity you were talking about in the stats was I, I saw that McDuffie had three targets, one catch, eight yards specifically against Jamar Chase. Your stat had T. Higgins added in there. So he gave up one catch to Chase, one catch to Higgins in the, in right. the day, both uh, for under 10 yards. Uh, neither uh, was, was impactful in the game. And he had good coverage on all of those those plays as well. So, yeah, they've, they've got a good one here. That's no question, uh, no doubt in my mind, he's the best coverage corner on the team already. But Joshua Williams played a heck of the game as well. So I think I think they've got a tandem there of yeah. rookies. And I think they know it. I think they've they've come to that conclusion right away, and and allowed them to get rid of Rashad Fenton, and allowed them to uh, to move Snead around. I mean, there's those this guy. These these are your duo.
0: You know, and it's funny. It's. Sneed came on the scene so quick. It's easy to forget that he was also a fourth round pick. So you're talking about your top three corners on the team are all day three picks and you all you feel good about it. Or sorry, I guess McDuffie's a first round pick, but they're all young players. And and two of the corners are day three picks. I was thinking of Jalen Watson as well when he was playing over. McDuffie. Yeah. But again, it's just this this team is we, we've always complained about Veach, you know, maybe not uh, investing a lot in corner. McDuffie, obviously, the first time he's really, truly invested a lot in corner. But it's not like he hasn't made it work besides that. So it is pretty impressive to keep, continue having the cornerback room look this good, um, obviously, this year. But let's get into some questions. Let's get into some questions. I had other stats, but I want to get to the people's questions. I know they want to hear our case Absolutely. and their questions. And Jake Wilson, at Jake for now, always, always a, a great question asker. Are the Chiefs too reliant on their blue-chip players to win games against top competition? He says, does complacency come with the expectation of Mahomes' magic? Kelsey's clutch receptions, timely sacks by Chris Jones and Harrison Butker hitting 50 yard field goals. Stags, what do you think? Are we, are we, you know, do we lean on our blue chip players a little too much?
1: I don't know about that. I mean, I think you could say this about previous chiefs teams. I, I think this one's a little bit deeper. Uh, I think there, there are more guys available to make plays, uh, but they're still, I'm still not sure they have that blue chipper on defense that's making the play to close out games. Chris Jones has been that at times this year, but it's not, you know, he wasn't that this week. So is there, is there still a piece missing there? Maybe, but I I would say of those three listed Mahomes, Jones, Butker, I think they do sometimes rely too much on, on Mahomes magic, right? This assumption that as long as you got 15, you got a shot, which is, Usually true, but not always. And so, some, uh, some so maybe him, but otherwise, this isn't a team full of star players anymore. This isn't a team full of, you know, right. Tyree Hills and and uh, <laughs> and Tyron Matthews and and those kind of uh, big name guys. So I, I think there's a uh, I I don't see this as the issue right now. I think you need more. You need more of the. Uh, clutch plays on the from those blue chip guys. And so
0: yeah, relying
1: on it, they're just not getting it.
0: Yeah, that's why I was gonna say it, it's I, I don't think they rely on them enough. You know, I, I I think uh well, you know, one thing I do think there are some times they get cute with Mahomes maybe throwing a little too much in the run game, right? I talked about that. I think overall this game, they did help Mahomes a lot with the run game. I just don't think situationally they did it enough. They could have taken that, that extra step and really, you know, sealed the game, but They still did run the ball when they, you know, more than they have the last couple games against the Bengals, and did a good job with it. But you're right; they took Mahomes out of the game on fourth and on fourth and seven, and and kicked a 55-yard field goal, which I get. He's saying, you know, Bucker's a blue chip kicker, so you trust him to make that. But you trust (laughs) Mahomes to get the fourth (laughs) down, yeah, right? But trusting your blue chip players would mean letting Mahomes get that first down. So I, I actually think it's I, I don't I still don't think they do it enough, probably. And but I do get what he's getting at maybe defensively though, because you do may, there is just kind of maybe where they're relying on Chris Jones to get the sack or the quarterback hit and help hope that even if he doesn't, he's taking up space for someone else to do it. So I, I could see I, that I, I
1: did write in the winners and losers piece this week on arrowheadpride.com that there's a whole bunch of guys that you expect to be your playmakers on defense, and a lot of them, you know were just lacking that big play this week. You yeah. needed you know, a a Willie Gay Jr. interception or a Thornhill interception or a Nick Bolton forced fumble or, you know, a a sack on a blitz from Legarius Sneed. Like exactly, you needed some of those guys to be that playmaker and and they were kind of nowhere to be found uh, when, when it mattered. And in fact, the defense, this is why I say it's a game of inches and it's just execution sometimes. The defense was in a position to get off the field and win this game. And and they had, you know, three guys in front of the receiver and not one of them was able to bring the, the receiver down before he got to the first down, right? So, like, this is the type of play that you can't really blame coaching, scheme, talent. Like, they're there. They just have to execute. They just have to make the tackle. Right. So, I would have liked to have seen one of those guys step up and make a big play. Uh, I think you've got – Again, a whole list of guys who should be that playmaker. Sneed, Bolton, Gay, uh, even Thornhill, and, and Jones, and, and not one of them uh, came through this week. So, you know, they're, they're certainly not uh, two-star heavy at this point. Uh, they, they're more of a deep team, than, and they just rely on, on somebody stepping up and making a play, and this week it, it was nobody.
0: No, it was not. Uh, they they defense made like two big plays the entire game. So yeah, you're right. How about I'm Thomas to...
1: Ramirez's question? Who let the team down most? The offensive line or the defensive line?
0: Yeah, I mean it's absolutely the defensive line because um, the offensive line, you know, as as much as the pass protection at times, you know, looked bad. There was a couple bad plays, but the run game did its thing, and that's on them. You know, they get credit for that. The run game definitely helped out a lot. Yeah, so the, I think it's the, definitely the defensive line because the defensive line got blown up in the run game and didn't really get much pressure. So I, it's no question, it's the D line um, let the team down the most.
1: Yeah, I, I think you can make a case for either. I think the, you know, again, is the conversation completely different if if Orlando Brown doesn't get beaten on that one play, Mahomes completes that pass, they go on to score a touchdown. There is this a completely different conversation, you know, uh, and so the, you're right, the running game was solid from the offensive line standpoint, and it worked regardless of who was running the ball, but there were a couple of big plays where the, the offensive line failed, and it, and it really changed the narrative of the game. More consistently, the defensive line got beat, but I think when the offensive line got beat, it, it might have been more costly.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. It, it came at worse times, no doubt, and actually, the, the defensive line did kind of get pressure on the last play. It's just Burrow, you know, avoided it, but that's, 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 that's Burrow, man. He really did play a good game. And Frank Nitty's question at the kid Frankie kind of gets into that a little bit. Do you think the Chiefs have a bigger game plan for teams like the Bengals or Bills playing for the playoffs and not trying to show until then? So is there maybe a, a defensive strategy that Spags is holding back? Or uh, I don't know, Spags. You can answer this, but I, I can just say that I, I, don't think we're, I don't think that's the case.
1: No, I, I, a lot of people have said that this was one of those games that the chiefs had circled on their schedule, that they were ramping up all off season, ready to, for this rematch. And they wanted to take down this Bengals team. So no, I I don't think you could argue they were holding stuff back against the Rams. You might even argue that next week, they're going to hold some stuff back against the the Denver Broncos, but this game was circled. They definitely were not holding back this week or against the bills earlier in the season. Uh, They've just, not executed in those games, so uh, I think if you had to do this game all over again, there were some calls that they would make differently. And Andy Reid sort of expressed that as they were talking about, you know, some of the uh, the struggles getting Kelsey involved at times. You know, I think he said something to the effect of, "Hey, I got to do a better job at calling some stuff that that works there." And mm-hmm. so, I think there's some some mistakes in play calling and decision making that they would like to have back but it's not because they yeah were looking forward to some future matchup and didn't want to show too much
0: yeah let's yeah take off the rose colored glasses it's it's not that you know we can't be that optimistic uh frank i mean i hate to tell you but <laughs> the, the team wanted to win this game they wanted very Perfect. badly to win this game they wanted to get have the one seed you know, almost nearly locked up if they win this game. They, they wouldn't have minded that whatsoever. Um. So, well, no, I, I definitely don't think that's the case.
1: Brian Capen asks about some stuff we've already talked about, the defensive line struggling to, to get to the quarterback. But his his last question I think is interesting. Do you think Orlando Brown Jr. has played himself out of the top contract that he wanted? Or do you think the Chiefs might look at this, his tape differently than fans do?
0: I, I do think he's played himself out of a top contract. I mean, he played himself out of it the year before because he didn't get the top contract. I mean, you know, maybe maybe there was a lower number that still would have been a, a great contract he would have signed, but the Chiefs didn't sign him to what he wanted to last offseason for a reason, and he hasn't shown necessarily that he's any better than he was the year before. He's just a solid player. You know, he's a guy that has limitations, a guy that against a good, a good rusher like a Trey Hendrickson, although the guy he gave up the sack to was a second year player that is barely played um, Joseph Asai, although he was a decent player out of Texas, but he's just, he's just a, you know, kind of an inconsistent player, especially against pass protection, you know, depending on the kind of player kind of pass rusher it is. And I think the chiefs know that. And, you know, I think the chiefs got away with the franchise tag this year because they needed a starting left tackle. They didn't want to start, you know, you know, start over, you know, uh, going into a season like that. But I don't think, I don't think they're going to sign him to a long-term deal off of this performance this year. I I don't think he's proven anything more than he did prior and he didn't get a top deal before for a reason. So yeah, I I don't think, uh, I do think he's, I, I don't, I guess I shouldn't say he's played himself out of one. He just hasn't played himself into one, I guess is the way to put it. That's fair,
1: but I'll, I'll kind of take the other side of this argument and I've been doing this with Brown for a while, but I think, the best contracts don't always go to guys who had the best season or who are the best players. The best contracts go to guys who are hard to replace and hit the market at the right time. Brown hit the market at the right time last year. uh, And that's why he asked for the max because, Hey, what else are you going to do? Other people would sign me for this. If you let me go. Right. That's that was his argument. It wasn't, I'm the best left tackle in the league. It is. Yeah, you're between a rock and a hard place. You either sign me for this or somebody else will. And it's going to be the exact same thing this offseason. This team going into next season, you're not sure who the right tackle is. Do they want to be starting from scratch with with both a new right and a left tackle? I think the Chiefs might look at his tape this year and say, just like we just did on that one play with with Joe Tooney being out, they might look through some of his losses and say, Oh yeah, that was on somebody else. And he's played, you know, up to the standard that we expect and up to the level where it would be hard to replace him at that level or higher. And because what are your options this, this offseason? you're going to tag him again, you're going to sign him to a long-term deal, or you're going to try to draft somebody at the end of the first round that's going to play at that level or higher from year one on. Um, That's a tall task, and if they look at this draft and they're not super excited about four or five different offensive tackles that are going to be there when they pick, I could see them paying him whether you think he deserves it or not. It's not about who deserves money. It's about who can get it based on the market and their age and the alternatives.
0: I think he might get paid. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's very likely, or not very likely, but possible, I should say. I don't think it's likely though, because I really don't think he's he's given them reason to not just try something else and and try to find a more long term option, because um, he is a long he is a long term option. If they sign him, it's you know he's the left tackle for Mahomes' prime, and I just feel like I don't know, I I wouldn't mind you know finding another swing at that left tackle in his prime. And trust me, I get what you're saying, but you know I. I just feel like he he hasn't sh- he he could show more than he has and 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 be more of like a you know a, a candidate for this. But there are other options in free agency too. They traded for him. They could trade for somebody else. Although you know it's not something you want to do. But I'm just saying I you know signing Brown to a long term deal. I mean that's that's a lot um, to commit to. And I you know I really don't think uh, he has shown enough in that case. But I get what you're saying. Trust me, I do get it. I get what you're yep.
1: saying. Maybe, maybe we should put a little bet on it, say like uh, a couple of beers at the draft in Kansas City on, like on whether Brown is still with the team at that time when we get to the draft. Is he still right. is he locked in with this team for, for next season by the time they pick? I like the-
0: it. Put it down. All right. CJ <laughs> Davis
1: asked, is the NFL rigged? Is it the new WWE I think he was referring to that Mike Dana play that you talked about where he got into the backfield, he was squared up. It looked like he was squared up to hit Joe Burrow and just stopped until Joe Burrow threw the ball. Um, That's how it appeared on that clip. Now, clipped plays on Twitter can be deceiving. Uh, Screenshots are even worse, but clipped plays can be deceiving. But on that particular play, I think we already talked about this, was Dana was had just gotten loose, but his momentum was going the wrong direction. He just wasn't able to. He was kind of stopping to turn. He's not a guy that can turn without stopping so much there. But I, I don't see any evidence that the NFL is actually rigged. Uh, it just feels that way sometimes when when things don't go our way. Right?
0: Yeah, I mean, for all the games to say that after this was not one of them. I mean, it's, it's it felt like a pretty you know. I know there were some calls were some calls. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as the last two games. Yeah, I mean, I
1: think there were two calls that I thought were, were sort of ticky-tack a little bit. One of them has been called all season, right? The the uh, roughing the passer call against Stallworth, yes. yeah. you know, I still don't think that's a penalty, but the league sure does, and they've been calling it pretty consistently, it feels like. So uh, I'll buy that one. The McDuffie call, I already said, I didn't think was a real bad penalty, but they actually called Jamar Chase for a push-off, which they never do this yeah. week. Uh, he pushed off a few other times that didn't get called, but it's pretty hard to complain about the refs when, when you actually get a call like an offensive pass interference against Jamar Chase.
0: Yeah. Oh, exactly. No, I, I'm surprised they called that. But let's go to the last couple questions here. Show me state deplorable at courage versus evil is Bucker a liability? Simply put, is, is he more an asset or more a liability than an asset stags? What, what do you think on that one?
1: I don't know that I'm willing to go that far. He, he kicked that ball. Like there was plenty of height and distance on that thing, right? It just, it was off a little bit. And a lot of people have pointed out the fact that the, the snap and the hold were a little bit funky on that, on that particular kick, 55 yards, everything's got to be perfect. If, Anything is off in that whole process. You know, it, a guy's going to miss a kick. Your percentage from 55 fifty-five yards—the best kickers in NFL history are what fifty percent from that range. Right. Uh, I, I'm not sure of the exact number, but it's something like that. So you take a 50 50 shot with with that guy at that distance. You know, you got to expect that sometimes he's not going to make them. So no, I don't see him as a liability. I've I've had some concerns with him all season. Uh, but I think he's, I think he's still a fine kicker.
0: Yeah, I, I do think the way to make the, maybe what he's getting at, and I don't know for sure, he's just it's a simple question. But is there a way that Butker being good at 50 yard field goals is a liability because they say they're at fourth and four, fourth and five near midfield, and they say you know what, we got Butker. he can make this instead of trusting Mahomes you know, if they had a shitty or a worse kicker, excuse me, (laughs) uh, would they maybe trust Mahomes more? And that's maybe where he becomes a liability. I don't know. That's an interesting question. I I yeah, there might be something to that. I like the way you phrase that.
1: I mean, yeah, maybe they should just keep Justin Reed as their kicker and then they don't have to worry about (laughs) uh, these tough decisions. They'll always know to go for it. Uh, Looking forward now, Patrick, take me home at Chiefs Hot Take on Twitter. Should the Chiefs – underestimate the Seahawks. It looks like they're well coached and they have some some rookies who are game changers. This kind of gets at this this thought of all right, here the Chiefs sit at nine and three, which is if prior to the season, if you said at this point they would be nine and three right. uh, with a dominant lead in the AFC West, sitting in second place just outside of the, the first round bye. Uh, I think most people would be pretty happy with that. And then you look forward at the the final games of this season. They're playing the Broncos this week uh in Denver. They're go go to the Texans at home versus the Seahawks, at home versus the Broncos and at the Raiders. Not one of those games scares me in the least. I know the Seahawks have been better than you expected them to be this season. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they're on the same level at the as this Chiefs team. So my thought is don't underestimate or overlook anybody, but as a fan, um, you shouldn't be afraid of the Seahawks or the Broncos or the Raiders because that's the, or the Texans, and that's the rest of the schedule. So there's a very good chance this Chiefs team can win the rest of their games and end up being 14-3 and on this season, which is a, a really, really good record and as good as I would have predicted before the season even if they drop that game to the, the Seahawks uh, 13 and four is a pretty good spot for a reloading year. So anyway, all that to say, I don't think the team should underestimate anybody, but I think us as fans, I don't think we should be worried about the Seahawks. What, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, the only thing is that is kind of a pain in the butt to deal with is Denver's defense for a couple of games, because as bad as Denver is as a team and as as bad as their offense is, their defense has been one of the best in the NFL this year, and the Chiefs, you know, they they have had struggles against this Broncos defense in the past. You know, last few years, the Broncos have done a good job of kind of making life hard on Mahomes, the passing game. Um, you know, I know they have a new coaching staff now. It's not the same defensive coordinator as before, but they still have a lot of talent, a lot of talent in the secondary, which can make it hard on the receiving game. So, I, I do think kind of having to play the Broncos twice kind of is, you know, cause I do think they can muck it up and, and, and probably make the games a little closer than we'd like to see. Um, but I, I, I have a full confidence that Russell Wilson, you know, I, 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 that the chiefs will, will have their way with Russell Wilson. He's looked that bad. It's, it's pretty shocking how bad he's been. Um, but well, so all I, season
1: I, I've said, I'm not worried about the chiefs offense versus any defense. Right. Because it's really about, can the chiefs defense keep them in it? Right. And, and, it's- and give Mahomes a chance. And, and how good have the Chiefs been against the, the top defenses in the league, the, the on-paper best defenses in the league? I, I don't know. I, I'm not so worried about the Broncos. Uh, yeah, but none of those team. other
0: best defenses play in the division. So, you know, they don't know the Chiefs offense like the Broncos defense does, their personnel right. does. Um, you know, the defensive coordinator there I do believe was just a, a promoter from, prom- promoted from before. I don't think he's an outside hire. Um, so I do think he was under Fangio before. This defense does know the Chiefs' offense. It wasn't me being concerned about them losing those games. It was more just that those games probably will be a little uglier on offense than I think we'd like to see.
1: That's fair. Yep. And the division games are always that way, right? right. They're, they're exactly. going to be close. They're going to be ugly for the most part, although I expect that at least one of those should be a blowout in the Chiefs' favor. Um, let's, let's talk about the Broncos, though. Is, what else of that matchup uh, should Chiefs fans be thinking about heading into this week?
0: Well, you know, it really is just the defense, you know, how well they, you know, they, they last year, they were kind of the, the team that was, you know, um, roughing up Kelsey the most with the linebackers and safeties, you know, really making it hard on anything over the middle of the field. Chiefs had to really run a lot and kind of do a lot of quick passing, which, you know, they, sh- they should be able to do this year too. I, I do think the Broncos are susceptible to the run. It should be a good game for Isaiah Pacheco. You know, I do think the Chiefs offense will have, you know, it won't be a perfect day. I I do think the Broncos defense will get it will have its wins. Um, They are a really good defense. But I just don't think the Broncos offense will make it matter. Um, They have good receivers, but the combination of the offensive line and Russell Wilson's inability to pass from the pocket. um, It is bad, man. It is really bad. They're that inept on offense for a reason. And so I, I think it's a get right game for the Chiefs defense. And if, you know, if the Chiefs defense struggles at all, you know, it's going to really be frustrating because this offense has not had any sort of daylight against any defense, no matter what kind of level of defense it is. They have been that bad. So we, the Chiefs defense really needs to, you know, show up and, and kind of prove something this week with a, with a dominant uh, game, just like the Rams game, right? The Rams offense was down, but you got to kind of hold them down like that. I think that that's the case. Yeah, I, I think this is one of
1: those games, probably where the pendulum is going to swing back the other way, and we're going to be talking about how improved this defense is and how excited we are <laughs> about this uh, Chiefs defense because they're, they're going to look good against this, this offense. I it, it may literally just be that the Bengals are a bad matchup for them, uh, and yeah. they're going to look good against basically everybody else. You know, I was wondering who the, the – for this, as good as the Broncos are on defense – who do they have rushing the passer now that, that uh, Chubb's been traded?
0: Yeah, you're right. They don't have, they don't have much at all in the pass rushing department. You know, a lot of young players, they drafted Nick Bonito, the edge rusher from Oklahoma this season. And he's, you know, he's a guy that can flash off the edge, but no, you're right. That, since they got, tra- ch- uh, since they traded Chubb away, it is, it is really slim pickings on the edge rushing group. Um, so that's where their secondary really, you know, it, they make up for it by being so good back there Um but, yeah, they don't have much pass rush. That is a good point. Is
1: Patrick Sertain their best player at this point? I defense? would say so.
0: It seems like it. It sure seems like it. Um, everyone talks about him as one of the best corners in the game already. Um, you know, he, he has played well in spots. It's just the offense, you know, they're so bad. It just you can't really tell. But, yeah, no, him and Justin Simmons are still the, the two elite players in that secondary. Simmons a safety. Um, he'll be all over the place. But they just have good back-end players, and they'll just make it hard on Kelsey and, and the rest of the receiving group.
1: On offense, it looks like the the Broncos maybe want to run the ball, but maybe aren't that good at it. Uh, they had, you know, twenty eight carries for eighty eight yards against uh, the, the Ravens. They've got a, a young tight end who's coming on, Greg Dolchich, who we liked in the draft, if I remember correctly. Um, and they had some receivers that you know we thought were going to be, uh, you know, blue chip type players, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Um, it hasn't really been a good season for them, but a lot of that could be, uh, again, back in the, the the lap of the quarterback who's, who's struggled uh, all year.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I say Russell's been bad. I do think a lot of the heat should go on the coaching staff. I don't think they have a very competent offensive coaching staff there in Denver. Um, you know, I I you know, it's conspiracy theory, but I really think they hired Nathaniel Hackett, the former Packers coach. He was a quarterbacks coach, I believe, um, just to try to get Rodgers. I really don't think they they thought much of him because he hasn't done much. And if they did think much of him, then they failed um, catastrophically because Russell's been bad. But this offense could still do some stuff with some of the pieces they have. You know, they had Javante Williams. He was injured. Now he doesn't. You know, he's not playing anymore. But he's a really talented running back. That's right. Yeah, I, I I definitely think the coaching staff isn't very good either. And that's where Spag should hopefully be able to, to dial it up and, and not let much uh, get past them.
1: Yeah, you could argue that this, this week was his best game of the season. His highest quarterback rating uh, took the least sacks of, as he's taken. He had seventy-seven percent completion rate this season, and they scored ten points. So like exactly. it's it's not a scary offense, even you know, even if he's playing a little better than what he was,
0: they averaged less than fourteen points a game overall for the season. I mean, that's it's like one of the worst points per game re- rates in a long, long time. I mean, it, it is a historically low-scoring offense. I, so I haven't
1: looked lately, but what is that stat about Mahomes versus uh, when the defense holds the team under? I think it's twenty-four points. I think he's he's only lost once or twice in in uh, right. his uh, his Chiefs career. Um, I, I think you, you like his chances in a low scoring game as long as the, the chief's defense plays you know to, to expectations. I, I think this should be a pretty comfortable win. should be a get right, get back on track type type win. Uh, and hopefully we'll have better stuff to talk about next week. We can start overreacting on the good side about how this chief's team has, is set up for the postseason run, how they're a better balanced team than they were in years past. All of those nice talking points that we get after a Chiefs win, it's a lot more pleasant than after a Chiefs loss, especially third straight loss to the same team by a field goal. But we do appreciate you all spending your time with us today on the Out of Structure podcast. Make sure you check out all of the Arrowhead Pride podcast network and the work that we're doing on arrowheadpride.com. I know Ron's got some pieces up this week examining why uh, this matchup is so difficult for the Chiefs. Uh, against the Bengals and you'll have your typical preview pieces up uh, getting ready for the Broncos game as well. Uh, so thanks for sticking with us. And uh, hopefully we'll be back next week talking about the chiefs victory as they get back on track against a division opponent. So we'll talk to you next week on the out of structure podcast. Thanks again.